Welcome to the preaching podcast of Poplar Springs Baptist Church in Hiram, Georgia, and the preaching ministry of our senior pastor, Wayne Meadows. It is our desire that the message you hear today would call you to a closer walk with Jesus Christ, and that your life would give glory to God as you apply the biblical truths proclaimed. For more information about the ministry of Poplar Springs Baptist Church, check us out on the web, www.psbchurch.net. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the preaching of God's Word. If you have a Bible this morning, open it with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, we're going to give our attention today to verses 1 through 20. Mark 4. 1 through 20 as we continue our study through the Gospel of Mark on Sunday mornings. While you're finding your place and a copy of God's Word, just a couple of uh, quick reminders. Uh, First of all, our mission focus for the month of May, the Mission Project, uh, helps serve halting pregnancy services, which we prayed for last week, and that is the baby bottle drive that's underway now through Father's Day on Sunday, June the 19th. Uh, If you weren't with us last Sunday, or maybe you were but didn't grab a baby bottle, uh, you can find those in the front lobby as you leave today. I believe there's a few more available out there on the kiosk. And all we're asking you to do is simply take a bottle and put all of your spare change over the next month uh, into it, and then bring it back to us on Sunday, June the 19th. We'll pray over those again, and then we'll send those on to help support and bless the work of Halting Pregnancy Services. Uh, Secondly, I want to remind you that at 5 p.m. this afternoon, we'll be uh, gathering in our fellowship hall for our ministry dinner, our Say Yes to Serving dinner. If you signed up to serve in one of those ministry areas, uh, you should have received an invitation. Uh, We hope that you RSVP'd, and in the event that you didn't, we probably still got you covered. Uh, So come join us at 5 p.m. for dinner. Uh, We'll have a good time of food and fellowship. We'll speak a little bit at that time about serving here at Poplar Springs, give you a little bit of information, and then we'll break out into our different ministry groups where you'll receive some more specialized training. So if you've signed up, uh, make plans to be here this evening at 5 p.m. for that time. All right, let's get into the Word this morning. Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. I'm going to read, and you follow along and hear the Word of God today. Mark 4, beginning with verse 1. Again, he, and that he is Jesus, again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. The other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. And the other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, And it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. 
They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Let's pray once more. Our God and our King, we thank you for your holy word today. And we ask now that you would bless the reading and the preaching of it. And Father, in accordance with the word that we've heard this morning, we pray, O oh God, give us ears that we may hear. Let us hear and heed your word today, that fruit might abound in our hearts and in our lives for your glory for all eternity. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. 3.2 billion. 3.2 billion. That's the staggering number of pictures posted each day to social media platforms. 3.2 billion. With the advent of smartphones and the technology that we now carry in our pockets and pocketbooks, uh, even more pictures than that, some estimates place it even up into the trillions, are taken each and every day. What we can glean from this is that pictures are important to us. Pictures were important to Jesus as well. Jesus understood the power of picture to capture a person's thoughts, attention, and emotions. Jesus knew that a picture is really worth a thousand words. And while Jesus didn't have the availability of snapping and posting pictures via a smartphone, he still used the power of pictures in his earthly ministry through the parables that he told. The parables of Jesus provide snapshots of spiritual life that Jesus tells us about in story format. One biblical commentator says, ingeniously simple Word pictures that illuminate profound spiritual lessons. These are the parables of Jesus. And Jesus told a lot of parables during his earthly ministry. We heard that in our text today. He inquired of his followers, how will you understand all the parables that he will teach and provide? Depending on how you classify and what you count as a parable, commentators see as many as 27 to 40 parables in Scripture. When you boil it down, that equates to about 35% of the teaching that Jesus did came through the painting of word pictures with parables. Well, this morning as we continue in our study of Mark, coming to chapter 4, we come to the first proper parable that Jesus provides us. And while it's sometimes referred to as the parable of the sower, it's more appropriately considered as the parable of the soils. It's where the emphasis and the point of the parable falls on the soils that Jesus speaks of. And this morning, I want us to look in these 20 verses to consider the parable that Jesus provides and to hear as well his explanation and application of that parable. Uh, but before we get to the text, let's begin by asking, uh, hopefully, what would be two uh, beneficial questions. First of all, in a little bit more detail, what is a parable? What is a parable? Well, the word itself is a compound word. It's comprised of a prefix, para, and the root word, the Greek word, is balo. Para meaning beside, and the word balo meaning to throw, literally means to throw beside or to throw alongside. And in a parable, what we have is Jesus bringing alongside an earthly story to communicate some spiritual truth. Parables are small stories that tell big truths. They're illuminating illustrations that speak to us of crucial truths regarding our faith. 
or perhaps even more succinctly if you like, parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. Earthly stories with heavenly meanings. So that's what a parable is. But why does Jesus employ parables? Why does Jesus teach in this distinct fashion for 35% of his teaching ministry? Well, I think our text would point us to two reasons. First of all, Jesus taught in parables in order to fulfill prophecy. To fulfill prophecy. When you read the Old Testament, it's told there that the Messiah, the one who would come, he would teach in this format. He would teach in this fashion. He would teach through parables. In the middle of our text this morning, in verses 10 through 12, Jesus is alone with his disciples and the 12 who he has appointed as apostles, and they ask him regarding this new teaching format of employing parables, why are you doing this? And in response to their question, Jesus quotes to them in verse 12 from Isaiah chapter 6. He takes them back to the Old Testament. He quotes from the prophecy of Isaiah, and in doing so, he's pointing to himself, to his ministry being fulfilled. In Psalm 78, Psalm 78, verses 1 through 4, you have a messianic psalm there. It's a type of psalm that speaks of the Messiah, of his coming ministry. And in that psalm, the Bible says, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. The Messiah would come and he would teach. And in the psalm, he tells us what type of teaching he would undertake. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. So Jesus teaches in the format of a parable uh, in order to fulfill prophecy. That's one reason. But he also teaches in this distinct way for another particular purpose. Jesus teaches through parables in order to, one, reveal truth, but two, to conceal truth. Jesus teaches in the format of a parable. He gives earthly stories containing heavenly meaning in order to make truth known, but at the same time to keep truth hid. This is what he said in verse 11. He said to them, to his disciples, to his followers, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that, or for this reason, they may indeed see but not perceive, They may hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus gives us parables not merely to entertain us with a story, but he gives us parables to communicate powerful spiritual truth to those who would listen, but also to conceal it from those who won't. In Matthew chapter 13, In verses 10 through 17, Matthew gives us the parallel account of Jesus teaching this particular parable. And in it, he writes, the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak in parables? And Jesus answers, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. This is why Jesus teaches in parables. Because in some, he is giving an extra heap, and from others, he is taking away what they've already been given. He teaches in parables both to reveal and to conceal. R.T. Kendall, a respected New Testament scholar who has written much about the parables of Jesus, says, 
Telling parables was Jesus' main way of helping his followers grasp spiritual truth. In them, he was building a bridge from the natural to the spiritual. It was Jesus' way of helping people make the transition that each of us must make every day of our life to move from the natural level of living to the spiritual level of living. And Jesus revealed these insights through parables so that those for whom the truth was intended might know the meaning, but for those for whom it was not intended would not understand. So Jesus teaches in this way to reveal and to conceal. And he begins to adopt this format of teaching in parables at this particular point in his ministry for a very important reason. When we come to Mark chapter 4, Although we're just four chapters into the Gospel of Mark, Jesus has been in his public ministry uh, probably for about two years, or at least uh, a little bit longer even. So he's been at this for some time, and in his ministry, Jesus has drawn quite the crowd. We've seen that on occasions previously. We see it even here in our text this morning in verse 1 of Mark 4. The scene is set for us, and Mark tells us Jesus is beside the sea again, and the crowd is so great he has to get into the boat. And get out on the sea, in the boat, to teach the people on the shore because there's so many people. They're just pressing in upon him. The crowd is great. But the committed are few. Let me say that again. The crowd is great surrounding Jesus. But the committed are few. You realize this morning that there is a distinction between those who are in the crowd and those who are counted among the committed. Just because you may have an association with the things of God or even with Jesus Christ, just because you're in a crowd doesn't mean you're committed to Jesus. And Jesus is beginning to make that distinction even more clearly. Among those in the crowd that had been coming to hear Jesus teach were the Pharisees and the scribes who we saw last week at the end of Mark chapter 3. They were blaspheming the Holy Spirit and they were attributing the works of Jesus that he had performed to the power of Satan. They were in the crowd surrounding Jesus, but in no way were they committed to the things of Jesus. You can be in the crowd, but still not be committed. And so Jesus begins to teach in parable format so that those who are in the crowd and committed will receive his truth and those who are in the crowd but uncommitted, that truth will be concealed from them. But in the midst of his ministry at this point, his true followers are perhaps beginning to wonder, what exactly is going on here? I mean, after all, you look at all that Jesus has done, The miracles that he has performed, the teaching with authority that he gives, all that has surrounded him for presumably two years, maybe even a little longer. And the question can perhaps be asked, why aren't more people coming? Why aren't we bigger than what we are? Why aren't we growing? And it's in response to that that Jesus begins to teach in parables. And this first parable that he gives addresses that question specifically. This morning in our text, as we look at the parable of the soils, we see Jesus' explanation as to what is happening in the kingdom, and more precisely, who is part of the kingdom. What is happening in the kingdom, and who is part of the kingdom. Now, when we read parables and when we study parables from Jesus, uh, we need to make sure we stay on track. If we're not careful, we can take the story that Jesus tells, the illustration that he provides, and and we we can run amok with it and miss the point that Jesus is wanting to drive home. And so this morning, as we hear the parable of the soils, the primary point is simply this. A person's response to the Word of God reveals the spiritual condition of their heart and their placement in the kingdom. Here's what Jesus is trying to drive home to his disciples. A person's response to the word of God is showing, is revealing the spiritual condition of their heart and placement in the kingdom, either in or out. 
A person's response to the Word of God reveals the spiritual condition of their heart and placement in the kingdom of God. So as we think about the parable of the soils this morning from our text, I want to first of all show you the three main elements of the story. There's three main elements in the story that Jesus gives that he weaves together to drive this point home. They're pretty simple, but look at them with me this morning. First of all, there's the sower. The sower. Jesus says in verse 3 as he teaches in the parable that, Behold, a sower went out to sow. The first element of the parable is simply the sower. And in the immediate context of the parable, of the setting, the sower is Jesus. It's representing the ministry that Jesus has here upon this earth. And the sower is going out sowing. It's a picture of Jesus going out and sharing the message of the kingdom, preaching the good news of God, calling people to repentance and belief in him. This is what Jesus came to do. This is what defines his ministry. We've seen that already in our study of Mark. Jesus said, I've got to go to other towns. I've got to go to other villages because I've got to preach. Jesus builds the image of a farmer, of a sower, sowing his seed, uh, likened to him going out and preaching and sowing the gospel message. Jesus is the sower. I think we can extrapolate this out. And while the immediate context is a picture of Jesus, the sower would also represent anyone and apply to anyone who would share the gospel message. It would be uh, applicable to his 12 that he has called to himself, to his other disciples. It would be applicable of you today also as a witness for Jesus, as one who shares the good news about Jesus, preaches the gospel of Jesus to others. You're the sower in the parable. Psalm 126, verses 5 and 6, give us uh, a picture of this in the Old Testament. There the psalmist said, those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Jesus is the sower. He's broadcasting the message of the kingdom and the good news of the gospel. That's element one in our story. The second element is the seed. The seed. In verse 3, Jesus said, a sower went out to sow. And then in the image that he paints, he is sowing seed. Jesus mentions seed several times throughout the, the next several verses. He is sowing seed everywhere he goes. And the seed in the parable is representative of the gospel message, representative of the word of God. And what we see is the sower taking the seed and strowing it absolutely everywhere. It's a picture of a sower uh, with a seed bag on his, on his side, and he is just broadcasting the seed in every direction, along every path that he is taking. Anywhere he can fling it, he's sending it. Jesus is the sower, and he's sowing the seed. He's preaching the gospel absolutely everywhere. The seed is, picture, is a picture of the gospel message. James, the half-brother of the Lord, kind of picks up this imagery when he likes, writes his New Testament epistle in James chapter 1. James says, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. It is the word of God, the good news of the gospel, the saving message of faith in Christ alone which when planted into our souls, saves us, rescues us, redeems us, reconciles us. The seed is a picture of the gospel. So we have the first two elements, the sower, picturing Jesus, or any gospel messenger. We have the seed, representative of the gospel message being shared, being broadcast broadly, widely, indiscriminately. It's gone absolutely everywhere. And then the third element of the parable is the soil. And I love it when Jesus brings things together in alliteration for us. So kind of him. 
the sower, the seed, and the soil. And it's the soil that is the point of the parable. In the parable, Jesus speaks of four distinct types of ground, four distinct soils upon which the sower broadcasts the seed. When we go back and we look in our text, we see in verse 4 that Jesus says some seed fell along the path. This is hard, compacted soil. This was soil that was trampled down under the, the feet of those who would pass by. And when the seed was scattered by the sower and it fell upon the path, it was impenetrable. There was no germination that could occur. There was no root that went down and no stalk that sprung up. It simply laid upon the surface, so much so that the birds of the air were able to swoop in and pick it up and take it away. Oh, you see this happen in your own yard, don't you? The bird seed falls to the ground, and before it can get in the ground, the birds come and get it. Or you're trying to plant some grass there in your front yard, and if you don't cover it up, and you don't have that ground soft, the birds will come, and they'll take that seed, and away your yard will go. Jesus says the soil in the first type is a hard, compacted path. No seed can penetrate it. And then in verse 5, Jesus describes the second type of soil. He said it's rocky ground. It didn't have much soil. There was a little bit more, a thin layer of topsoil, but immediately underneath was all rock. And when the seed falls upon that, it can spring up. But since there's no depth, the roots don't go deep. And when the sun shines down upon it, that's it. It withers away. You know this as well, don't you? If you live in Paulding County, you know exactly what Jesus is talking about. We have a little bit of dirt on top, and it's not long until you get underneath, and it's nothing but rock. I'm told that when they constructed the building that we have gathered in here uh, for worship at Poplar Springs, there were multitudes of rock that had to be removed. Jesus said some people have soil like that. Seed falls upon that soil. It takes root for just a second, but because there's no depth to it, it springs up, and then it's soon gone. And then, he says, the third type, the third type in verse 7 is that it's soil that contains thorns. The seed falls there. The seed springs up, but the thorns soon choke it out, and no harvest is produced. No grain results. And then in verse 8, Jesus says there's good soil. And when the seed falls upon this good soil, it takes root and it produces fruit. It grows up and it increases a mighty harvest, 30, 60, and 100 fold. These numbers would have been staggering to those in Jesus' audience during his day. What a return, what a crop, what a harvest. This is the soil that Jesus gives us in his parable, these four distinct types. And here's what we need to understand Jesus goes on to explain in verses 13 through 20 that the soil is representative of the human heart. And in these four distinctions of soil, Jesus is showing us four responses of the human heart to the preaching or the sowing of the word by a gospel messenger. Now in the parable, we've got to be absolutely clear here. The issue is not with the sower. Nor is the issue with the seed. The issue is with the soil. The issue is not with Jesus. And the issue is not with the gospel. The issue is the heart of man. The heart of the issue is the issue of the heart. And that's what Jesus is driving home in this parable that he gives us here in Mark chapter 4. That how a heart responds to the preaching of the Word of God, how it receives the seed of the Word that is sown, is going to let you know where that person stands in relation to the kingdom of God. The disciples inquiring about this parable, wanting to understand exactly how it applies, receive the best explanation available. Jesus himself explains the point. And what we have in verses 13 through 20 are four responses of the heart to the preaching of the gospel. 
four responses of the heart to the preaching of the gospel that are represented in the four types of soil that Jesus has spoken of. So response number one is a hard heart. A hard heart. In verse 14, Jesus says, The sower sows the word. Jesus preaches the gospel. The evangelist preaches the gospel. The preacher preaches the gospel. The pastor preaches the gospel. The word of God goes out. And Jesus says, now let me tell you about the ground that it falls upon. He says, one option, verse 15, the seed that falls along the path where the word is sown, they have hard hearts. They hear it. But their hearts are so hardened that the enemy is actively operating in them. Satan comes in and takes that word away. They have hardened their hearts to the things of God to such a point that they may sit in a sermon, but they won't listen to a sermon. They hear the preaching of the word of God, but they have no concern for what that word says. Their hearts are impenetrable with the good news of Jesus Christ. They're hard-hearted people and concerns to the gospel. And there are countless people like that today. It's not that they don't hear the word or that the seed isn't shared with them. The gospel isn't spoken to them. They're simply callous to it. And one of the reasons they are callous to the word of God is because they've heard it so frequently, but yet responded to it so little. Jesus says, I'm teaching in parables because in teaching, I'm taking away some of that which has been given to some who are hearing. Every opportunity that you have to hear the preached word of God, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ proclaimed is a blessing beyond comprehension today. And your failure to respond to that preaching can serve to harden your heart. The preaching of the word of God is like the sun that shines in the sky. That sun can work to melt the ice or it can work to harden the clay. And for many people, as they hear the preaching of the word, as the seed of the gospel is scattered to them Sunday after Sunday, week after week, year after year, and they yield no response to it, their hearts become hardened to the things of God. And it gets to the point that the enemy is actively working to remove the word from them. God, the gospel is taken away from them. You've got to be careful when you hear the preaching of the word because it is working in your heart every single time to either soften or harden. And Jesus says sometimes the word of God falls on hearts that have become hardened to the word. It's impenetrable. But then he tells us about the shallow heart. The shallow heart. Jesus says in verse 16, the ones that are sown on the rocky ground. These are the ones who hear the word. They immediately receive it with joy, but they have no root in themselves. They endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Oh, these are those that when they hear the preaching of the word, they're excited. They are on fire for Jesus. They start fast. They burn hot, but then they fizzle because there's no depth to them. There's a surface level application and appreciation of the gospel, but it never changes anything deep on the inside. There's rocky soil there. There's no depth of root, which means there's no life that is present there's an emotional response, but hear me this morning. And an emotional response to the preaching of the gospel does not equate to salvation. What I mean by that is, is I don't care how many tears you cried when you walked down to the front at the end of the service. I don't care how excited your mama got when you was baptized. I don't care how overfilled with joy you were when you signed up with a ministry. Your emotion does not mean your life has been changed by the gospel. Jesus says you can have all of that. What happens with these people is they get really excited and they're on board and they're on fire, but give them two weeks, give them two months, give them two years, and they're nowhere to be found. I could write a book with names about that. 
I've been in this long enough to know that I know what Jesus is saying here is absolutely the gospel truth. Preacher, I'm so excited. We're going to do this, and we're going to see God do this. And man, we're going, to, we're going to fight hell with a water pistol, preacher. And it's going to be great. But in two months, they can't even show up to church. They're nowhere to be found. You know what that is? It's their hearts. They had a thin layer of soil. And man, the gospel seed took root almost instantly. But it couldn't get down deep into them. They didn't receive it with gladness. And their lives weren't changed. They go up, Adrian Rogers said, like a rocket, but then they come down like a rock. These are those who start well, but hear me, they never finish. And I want you to know, if you start the race but don't finish, you ain't going to make it to heaven. The book of Hebrews tells us over and over and over and over and over again, we need endurance. And those who have shallow hearts, they have no endurance whatsoever. They have a shallow heart and the gospel doesn't take root in it. But then Jesus gives us another heart. He tells us about the crowded heart. The crowded heart. In verse 18, he says, these are the others that were sown among the thorns. They hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Here are those who hear the word of God, and it sounds good to them, and they think, I'm on board with that, but they never count the cost for following Jesus. They never count the cost of letting everything else go and having Christ alone. And what happens is, is, is that root begins to go down and that sprout begins to come up. The thorns that are still contained within their heart begin to choke the life out of that spiritual commitment that they've made. They love the things of this world more than they do the things of God. Uh, they love all the, uh, the affirmation of the world, and uh, they love the applause of man more than they love seeking the approval of their Savior. The deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, it comes in and it begins to choke the Word of God out. Oh, I, I can tell you, I can write another book. I'm just publishing books all day today. I could write another book about this. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. I've seen it happen because families become affluent. God blesses them and they take those blessings and they forget about the things of God. They love the desires of this world. They love the pleasures that their affluence can afford them. And man, they go hard after those things and the things of God are soon and quickly forsaken. I've seen people, man, they come to different seasons in their life. I've seen some people, man, they have their kids, they have their babies, and man, those babies become their idols. And for 18 years, for, for 18 years, man, it's all about them kids and the kids going here and the kids doing that. Listen, I love kids. I've got four of them. But I'm telling you, we don't worship kids. We worship God. And if you're not careful, your kids will choke out your spiritual life if you let them. Jesus is saying, look at how your heart responds to the gospel. Look at how your heart responds to the word of God. And is something choking out that message in your life today? Is your heart crowded? Jesus says the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things choke the word out. They rob the nourishment that the gospel needs in the heart of one who would receive it. Here's what I want you to know, that some of these things that Jesus is talking about, the cares of this world, the desires for other things, sometimes many of those things aren't bad things. A lot of times they're good things, but we let those good things become God things. And when your heart is given over to anything and anyone other than Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, your heart has not received the gospel it's given you an indication of where you stand in relation to the kingdom of God. Don't miss what Jesus is saying. And then he brings us to the fourth heart. In verse 20, it's the, the good soil, the fruitful heart. He says, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold.
Let me ask you a question. Out of these four types of responses in the heart to the preaching of the gospel, which one do you think it is that Jesus is pointing to to say, and that's what you need? It's the last one. The first three don't cut it. Jesus is giving us an indication of hearts that have been brought into the kingdom. And I can tell you, hearts one through three aren't kingdom hearts. Jesus is saying they may be part of the crowd, but they're not in the kingdom. They may be a fan, but they're not a follower. They're hard-hearted. They're shallow-hearted. They're crowded hearts. But it's the fruitful heart that Jesus says we must have. Hear me this morning. A profession of faith is not evidence of your salvation. A profession of faith is not evidence of your salvation. Rather, Jesus would tell us, and the New Testament would uphold over and over again, that the profession of faith is not given as evidence of salvation. Rather, it is the production of fruit. It is not a profession of faith, but it is a production of fruit that gives evidence that our hearts have been changed by the gospel. There are so many people, and I'm afraid there's some of them sitting on pews in this room this morning, that you are holding on to a profession of faith that you have made. Preacher, I've believed in Jesus. Preacher, I know Jesus. Preacher, I've been a church member. I've been baptized. I've been in ministry. But I'm telling you, your heart has not been changed by the gospel. You have a profession, but there has been no production of fruit. There has been no harvest that has come because there has been no change that has transpired. What I mean by that is that the evidence of the Holy Spirit operating within you in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, the fruit of the Spirit is not evident in your life. A love for the things of the world trumps a love that you have for God. Jesus says it's only a heart that bears fruit, only a life that bears fruit. It, it may not be a lot of fruit, but if you've been changed by the gospel, there'll be gospel fruit there. But for so often, we've tried to mask that and cover that up and, and make excuses, but Jesus says there's no excuse. It's either production of fruit or a heart that's not been changed. This is the parable of the soils. This is the parable about the heart. And I'm here to tell you this morning, your heart fits into one of those four categories. For some of you here today, your heart is hardened. And the things that I'm saying to you are impenetrable. You're callous toward the gospel message. For some of you here today, your heart is shallow. Oh, you started off, but man, you fizzled out. There's no life. There's no root in you. For some of you, your hearts today are crowded. Your allegiance is given over to countless other things in this world. The cares of this world, the desires for the, the pleasures of this world are choking the spiritual life that you have within you. Jesus says we've got to have fruitful hearts. Fruitful hearts. So as we end our time this morning, let me give you three applications from this parable about the soils. Number one, and this one's simply in passing. We learn from this parable that we need to sow the seed abundantly. It's not the main point of the parable, but I believe it's worth pressing. The seed is sown, the gospel is shared, the message is preached, and it's preached to everyone, everywhere. May that be us today. May we indiscriminately share the good news of Jesus Christ. You see, we're not concerned about the person's heart because we can't do anything to change that. We've just got to be concerned about sharing the gospel with them. The sower went forth to sow. May we be people who go forth sowing the gospel seed, sharing the gospel message, and trust that in God's time a harvest will come. We need to sow the seed abundantly. But secondly, and here's where we get to the the point of the parable. And if you've listened carefully this morning, I hope that this is pressed into your mind. If the point of the parable is about the condition of my heart, and my heart must be good soil for the seed of the gospel to take root in it and to spring forth and to bear good fruit, the question then is what? How do I have a good heart? 
How do I have a heart that will bring me to the kingdom of God? How do I have a heart that is rich enough so the gospel seed can can take root and bear fruit? How do I have a good heart? How do I have good soil, preacher? I don't want to be in the first three. How do I have heart number four? Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us exactly what we must do to have the heart that brings forth fruit. We must listen to the word carefully. We must listen to the word carefully. This is what Jesus says as he tells the parable. Do you see how he starts it? Listen! And that's exactly how he said it. Listen! Because he's wanting people to listen. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And he scattered seed and it fell on some good ground and some not so good ground. And it fell into the hearts of people. And you need to listen to what he's saying. And just in case you miss it, when Jesus gets to the end of the parable, he says in verse 9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You wonder why I pray for us each Sunday. Oh God, give us ears to hear. I'm not saying turn your hearing aid up. I'm not saying clean out your ear canals. I'm saying be in tune with what the Word of God is saying. It's how we hear the Word of God and respond to it that determines the work that takes place within our hearts. Jesus says the path, the the compacted soil, they heard the Word, but they were hardened to it. The shallow soil, they didn't get the rocks out of the way. The thorny soil, they didn't take the cares of life away from it. But if we will ask God to work in our hearts and to hear the word, oh, there will be fruit that will abound. So how do we listen to the word carefully? Pray. Pray, God, let me hear your word today. Listen to God's word actively. You're engaged with it. Now is not a good time to count ceiling tiles or light bulbs that are out. It's a good time to give your attention wholly and undivided to the preaching of the inspired and infallible and inerrant word of God because that is the only thing that can work to change your heart for eternity. Paul would write in Romans chapter 10 that faith, Faith by which it is is necessary to please the Lord. Faith by which we are united to Jesus Christ and our lives are transformed. You know how faith comes? Not through Amazon or Uber Eats or at Walmart. It comes through the preaching of the Word. So as you sit here Sunday after Sunday, you need to listen prayerfully and actively to the preaching of God's Word because it is working in your hearts either to soften it to the things of God or harden it to the things of God. But it's your response to it that will make that determination. Listen actively. Listen dutifully. Here's what that means. We hear and we obey We hear the word of God. We listen actively and we say, yes, I hear what Jesus is saying. Yes, I hear how he is calling me to be in the life that I'm to live. And when we walk out of these doors, we don't forget it. We go and we live according to it. James would say, let us not be hearers of the word only, but let us be doers of the word. Here to do the word of God. For it to shape your life. I'm telling you, if you sit in here Sunday after Sunday, year after year, decade after decade, and you don't leave and take the Word of God and apply it to your life, I'm telling you, you're going to be a hardened heart. You've got to hear and act upon the Word. We listen carefully to the Word. For it's the Word that shapes and changes our hearts. And maybe this morning as you've listened, and I trust that you have, and as we've considered the soils and we've considered the hearts, maybe this morning in grace and goodness the Lord has shown you, you know what? I'm not a good soil. My life bears no fruit for the kingdom of God. My life gives no evidence that my heart has been changed by the gospel of God. What do I need to do? 
What do I need to do? Simply put, repent and believe urgently in Jesus Christ. For Jesus, through the preaching of his gospel, gives us new hearts and new lives. I love what Jesus said. If we don't read carefully, we just skip over this. His followers kind of inquire, why are the parables, man? What's going on? Why are you teaching in this way? And Jesus says to them in verse 11, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. To them, there's understanding. To them, there's a revealing. To them, there is a receiving because they know the secrets. They know the secrets. Would you like to know the secret this morning? Would you like to know the secret that they knew in verse 11? The secret that Jesus speaks about? Because I'm going to tell you what the secret is. It's Jesus. Jesus is the secret. You may be reading from a translation this morning that says, uh, to you has been given the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Uh, the secret there, the mystery there, is not something uh, that is kept uh, disclosed and unknown, something that, that must be discovered. But rather, in biblical language, the secret, the mystery, is that which was what was not known in the Old Testament, but now has become known in the new, in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So here's the secret. Know Jesus and when you know Jesus, you are brought into the kingdom of God and your heart and your life is transformed. So today I'm asking you, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Is your heart bearing fruit that your life has been changed by Jesus? Are you producing fruit? What's your response today to the word of God? For your response to the Word of God reveals what's going on in your heart and where you stand in relation to God's kingdom. And for some of you this morning, it means that you need to repent and believe urgently. Because your hearts haven't been changed. There's been emotional response. There's been excitement about the things of God. There's been profession of faith, But if you were to take a good look at your life, a good look at your heart, you would realize there's been no production of fruit. There's been no change. And today, you need Jesus. So repent and believe in Him. And when you do, He'll take out a heart of stone and He'll give to you a heart of flesh. Let's pray.